Hello and welcome to CIO Leadership Live Australia. I'm Cathy O'Sullivan, Editor-in-Chief for CIO and APAC, and I'm delighted to introduce my guest today, Angela Cobble, who is the 2023 CIO 50 Australia Hall of Fame inductee. Angela is Managing Director in Transformation and Leadership at Accenture. Previously, she served as a CIO and Executive Director of Business Transformation at Johnson & Johnson MedTech Australia and New Zealand, and she's also featured numerous times in the CIO 50 list. Earlier this year, Angela was honoured with the Medal of the Order of Australia for her pursuit to improve the Australian business community through action towards increasing the participation and retention of women in leadership. Welcome, Angela. Thank you, Kathy. It's such a delight to be here today. I feel like I'm talking to a long lost friend. It's going to be a wonderful conversation today about topics which are so incredibly important to me. So I'm looking forward Fabulous. to it. Fabulous. Delighted to have you here. So look, the last time we caught up was at the uh, CIO 50 Awards, where you were inducted into the CIO 50 Hall of Fame, our second inductee into the Hall of Fame after obviously Dr. Steve Hodgkinson took a, the inaugural uh, award last year. So how does it feel to be part of that CIO 50 Hall of Fame? <laughs> quite surreal to be honest there there are moments where I'll walk out into my lounge room and the nice little you know clerk or or um, orb is actually sitting there and I think oh yeah that actually happened and then there are moments where well we just all do what we do and and the reason why I guess all of these things happen to us throughout our career is because we're passionate about what we do and we find a lot of energy and purpose in the things that we contribute to so so it kind of ebbs and flows the feelings of being included and, and then often it's the physical reminder for the little, the award itself, which actually reminds me, oh, yeah, that did happen. It's, <laughs> um, it's been really great. Such an honour to be in there with Steve, like just amazing. <laughs> great, great stuff. So walk us back then, you know, tell us a little bit about your career journey. I know you haven't come down the traditional IT path. So how did you end up in IT? Yeah, it's a, a quite an eclectic story of curiosity and courage, I think, to, to be honest. It um, started with my very first kind of step out of university or, or out of high school, I suppose, if I go right back. And the step out in high school was to be a lawyer. Like I had always intended to go and, and get my practicing certificate. And I took 12 months off and ended up going into a small agricultural business in the rural community where I lived five or six years with them, I found myself leading their IT systems with absolutely zero education or training in that space. I skipped across then into finance and banking and, and started as a teller on the front line and really started to see the technology advancements as they were coming through. And I ended up with them being one of their senior operating officers, which meant that technology, all the components, all of the functions were reporting up through my area. So I got to see the difference you could make with quick, rational, practical decisions made one day, and I could execute on them the next day. And tech was all at the center of it. That was also the role, to be honest, where I first got a taste of cybersecurity, because I ended up taking their network from double encryption, which was called two days at the time, to triple encryption, which was then the standard. So I'm now showing my age with the, the level of encryption required at the time. 
And so as I've kind of gone through from agriculture, banking, into the energy sector, into healthcare, and now into professional services, it had always been this course of just following where my mind and my curiosity was taking me to. And when I came into Johnson & Johnson, a very serendipitous meeting with the VP of cybersecurity in, of all places, Singapore, I was over there to present on something completely different on records and information management. And she saw something in me that she wanted to bring into her tech organisation in the cyberspace and invited me to come on board literally within a, a, you know, a couple of conversations. And I actually said to her, I have no formal qualifications. I've worked in and around this all my life, obviously going from, you know, analogue to digital with the age that I am. And I said, but I've never actually trained in it. And she said, you can get that. They're the practical skills that I know that you'll be able to get. What I need from you is the way in which you understand the impact technology has on people and on the communities in which we serve. And so at that point, I fell in love with tech. And as I said on the night, of all the roles that I have ever had, my technology roles have been the most impactful to me personally and professionally. I've loved it every moment. Great to hear. Great to hear. And it certainly comes through. And, you know, it it certainly shines through in you, that passion you have for for technology. So, you know, just just reflecting on those roles that you've held, you know, how have you walked that tightrope of business and IT alignment? Have Have you ever experienced, I guess, any roadblocks in having initiatives adopted? And if you have, you know, how, how, how have you overcome that? Yeah, I think we all have had, you know, roadblocks or, you know, barriers put in front of us. And I guess it's how you lean into those. I'm very much an optimist at heart and I will always lean in with yes and never a no. There are circumstances when you lean in with yes, you have to make decisions about what to deprioritise. But ultimately, if it's important to us as people, then it's important to our businesses to actually achieve it because we should always reflect the communities in which we live. So there was one circumstance where I was wanting to do a a complete uh, untethering of our organisation. And this happened when I was the CIO for Johnson & Johnson. And I've spoken about this a couple of times in different forums. So I'm happy to, to chat about it here. We had decided back in 20, uh, must be about 2017, 18, that we really needed to look differently at the way that we enabled our sales and marketing organisation. And I went through this process of listening to what people felt that they needed at the time. Now, in my opinion, I couldn't quite connect the two, what the, my wonderful colleagues were telling me they wanted and what, where I could see they actually needed to go. But I thought I had to actually dispel a few things and have them feel the outcome of these decisions with no impact on our organisation to then be able to actually help show them the way forward. Because as you and I both know, sometimes it takes people feeling something to really get that sense of actually we do need to make this change. And so for me, there was a digital fluency and literacy component that I wanted to affect. But at the same time, I wanted to make them more nimble and the whole enterprise more agile in the way that they approach what they did. So I went about uh, completely untethering 450-odd people in the start with a, you know, a device that allowed them to work completely in the cloud. So I took them all to cloud. Office 365 was enabled. We went straight to that. 
I'd done a lot of training leading up to it. And my barrier that I was trying to overcome at the time was the digital literacy. Nobody could see really what I could see as to why this was going to be incredibly important to us going forward. And I saw the impacts quite broadly. If, if I didn't push and evolve the organisation, not only would that impact the future of the organisation, but also the employability of the people that were under my custodianship as not only an executive in tech, but a board member as well. So for me, I needed to have that feeling happen and that's when I literally went down this untethered path because everybody thought, no, we know how to do this. We all have iPhones. We all have tech at home. We know how to do this. So the very first day that I had untethered them, I'd put in a secondary help desk because I wanted to channel all of the inquiries through one location so I could see what the main causes were for issues the number one, 450-odd first tickets coming through was how do I turn my device on? And I just, I literally sat there. I didn't even anticipate that because <laughs> the device was actually not the standard button that you would press on. Like it was a very, you know, it was all basically fingerprint and otherwise identified. So the setup was done with them. The learning was done. But I hadn't actually trained them on how to turn the device on. So so not only was that an eye-opener for me, but it actually, within a split second, showed each one of these users, ah, we're not quite as digitally literate as what we thought we were. So that was a wonderful exercise in complete acceleration. And that was, I think I finished that whole trial mid-2019, which is quite serendipitous with what happened the, the year following. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> certainly, certainly was fortuitous, wasn't it? That that was uh, rolled out at that time. Yeah. And, and, and obviously a lot of learnings from that as well for you. So, mm -hmm. you know, you mentioned there about, you know, that that feeling, you know, um, but I'm, I'm also interested in, I guess, how at a practical level you influence and collaborate, you know, with the C-suite, with board members, um, you have sat on the board as well. You know, what do you think CIOs need to think about when getting buy-in and sponsorship for IT projects? I guess the one single piece of advice is to lead in with psychological safety to start off with. If, if a CIO can't stand in front of the executive team and the board and just tell it how it is in a way that shares that, that puts themselves into the shoes of the people that are receiving the information. So they don't want to hear about technical operating issues. They actually want to hear about the risk to the organisation, the how this aligns to strategy, um, what kind of governance is going to be required to actually make this happen. So it's putting yourself in the shoes of the audience and really making sure they decode the message that you're trying to send them in the right way. And it's not about, you know, wordsmithing and preparing and, you know, not delivering the right information. It's actually about cutting through all of that and just saying, you know, you know and you employ me to do what I will do every day. I need you to know that this is going to impact you. This is going to impact the organisation. And I think once you actually tell the story based on that feeling that the other person's going to have, it's a very powerful storytelling that you will give. And for me, there was never an issue of me treading both boards because I felt that they were, they were one and the same. I was a leader in an organisation influencing change. Now, was I doing it through enabling and activating tech or was I actually doing it through something else? So for me, that was incredibly important. And my advice is create the psychological safety and actually 
really understand how someone's going to receive that. Really think about the impact that your words are going to have on that person because that's the way that you'll actually be able to get it through. Fantastic advice. Uh, Yeah, I think a lot for CIOs to reflect on there. And, you know, the pandemic brought technology into sharp focus for a lot of organizations. But do you think, Ange, the role of CIO has changed since those inside times? (laughs) I love that you went there. So my, um, my research, as you know, that I have literally been spending you know, all of my downtime doing since mid-2019 has really been focused on the Australian technology leader context and what it means to be successful in the future. So for me to be able to do that analysis correctly, I really needed to understand what we were, what we were now, and what we needed to evolve to become. And so I don't know that the pandemic actually changed the role of the CIO, for me, it highlighted what good actually was because those CIOs that actually elevated into the boardroom, created the change that was necessary, the trust and the transparency that was required to ease everyone's tensions through that period of time. That's the technology leader of the future. They know tech. They get that. The credibility is there. That's not an issue. But that ability to take people on that journey That was highlighted during the pandemic as the leader that's required in this particular space in the future. So it was a wonderful exercise for me at the point in my, literally my research to go, ah, here comes the biggest test. Let's see if what I found actually is relevant as we go through. And I think time and time again, it was actually proven to be correct. Or if you're in academia, it's, is it, you know, can you not, can you unprove, can you deprove, can you whatever you need to do with it? Um, it? It actually was able to help me shape the research that I was doing at that particular point in time. And you know, that there are times where we need to, you know, zoom in and out of specific things, but on the whole, the leadership that's required from the technologist really was showcased from the best of the best during those pandemic years. Um, And now it's just what we do going forward. The worst thing that can happen is to fall back into the same old tendencies because that's what organisations don't need that of these roles anymore. But similarly, we need to make sure that the hyper-adrenaline that was created during those, those few years isn't actually status quo. That's not the right way to drive a team, to lead a team or to drive an organisation. We need to accelerate and we need to do it quickly, but we don't need to do it um, in a way that burns our people out. So, you know, for me, there's a whole new construct of the technology leader. Yeah, we hear a lot about sustainability, but, you know, I I agree. I just think that sustainability in terms of burnout is, is as important as well for leaders. Are there any other attributes, um, do you think, of a successful modern-day CIO when it comes to leadership? You mentioned psychological safety earlier and, you know, that empathy piece and understanding how messages will be received. Anything else that stands out for you? Yeah, so for me, interestingly, as I've gone through this this process, um, there's, there's kind of this term around paradoxical leadership and it's where you both need to be very visible out front and and very clear and intentional about the messages that you will deliver and send 
and the brand to which you uh, present. But at the same time, you need to almost be subliminal and, and an orchestrator behind the scenes to then ensure that the team's elevating with you. So it's it's almost like these, this bimodal leadership environment which blends components of what we know of that servant leadership trait with, you know, a transformational leadership. And it's not zipping in and out of those it's actually smashing them together in a way that reforms the, the CIO and the technology leader of the future. So it's interesting. One of the things that I think we miss a lot as CIOs, and if I was to pick one of the 20 plus traits that I've actually gone through and identified, it's that ability to be that brand ambassador for the entire technology organization and not even necessarily inside of your organization, but the elevation required of the discipline to, to all and sundry and community. So I think that's the way in which, you know, another topic passionate for me that we will get so many more women into and, and through and retained in these technology leadership roles. So I think, if I can get them to focus on that PR and branding bit, <laughs> that will do a lot for all of us, I think. So it's a beautiful segue there to that topic that you are so passionate about, you know, diversity in IT, but more particularly women in, in leadership. So what kind of practical things do you think can be done to get more people from Various, you know, to various different um, ways of thinking into IT um, and you know, is there anything from your research on, on, and I know you probably could talk about this for, for hours, and, but is there anything from your research that really stands out as these are the biggest barriers for women entering IT and progressing? Yeah, there's, there's a few in that, and you're right. I think we, we've often chatted more than a thousand hours of research and you know 500 plus odd references there's a lot of information swirling around in my head so it's really articulating to the particular things that are important when I think about women in leadership and bringing in diversity of thought uh, within the technology discipline really reframing the tech role as problem solving is, is, you know, and that agility of mind that you don't actually need to have the, the technical skills to start off with. I have no doubt you need to obtain a level of credibility in it. I would never expect to have gone into cybersecurity all those years ago when, you know, um, the VP took a chance on me and not have done cybersecurity practitioner level education like that just doesn't fit for me so if you're going into a role you need to create credibility and walk in the shoes how best to do that is up to you but for me it was formal training because I needed to know that I could have an engineering conversation <laughs> when I stepped into cybersecurity so when I think about you know the diversity of thought bring them in and allow the education to occur it's almost like a lived experience, a phenomenological study where you actually put them in the role, give them all the support they need, and they will absolutely thrive. That's the way to think about it, other than the, the purely traditional ways of, of coming into technology. So I think that that's one important pathway that, that we need to really focus on a bit more. The, the actual barrier bit it's no different to technology as it is to retaining women in leadership all the way through 
Unfortunately, there's been unintended consequences of some wonderful research, and I'm hoping that mine won't end up that way either, where us as academics would love to give labels to things so that we can talk about it more. And so there was this term many, many years ago called consciousness raising, which was given to the women's liberation back in kind of the 70s. And the consciousness raising was just kind of given to that that group of bringing women together. What nobody failed to see was when you bring a group of women together, you need to be able to sustain that with diversity of thought and grouping throughout their entire career, rather than kind of ebb and flow out. And I think you've heard me speak about, you know, the controversial topic of the boys club, and I've got, I love it. I hope my boys get a boys club because I want to know that they're supported through their career with a trusted group of advisors that will help them go through. Now, of course, every club can be used to hold people back, but in the essence of the positivity of what they're framed up to be, it's people who will support you in your career. So what I would love to see is the consciousness raising component with women. Like at the end of the day, we need a girls club. And it needs to be a a supportive club that will take you through your entire career, not just a moment in time. And I think when I look at one of the most profound things we can do differently that I found when I was looking at career pathways in tech in my research is we need to do that better. We need to do it constructively and we actually need to have it so it's outcome-based because then we are, and only then, can we actually reverse the role model deficits that we get in the, the senior leadership roles. So I, I love that and I love the girls club and it's definitely something I'm going to be talking a lot more about and making sure people know about this concept because I, I think you're so right that, you know, that boys club is not something to be feared or um, looked down on that. It does have a purpose and looking at ways that we can support women with that grouping. It's such great advice for any um, woman in particular that, you know, does want to get ahead what 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 other is there any other advice that you give to us aspiring IT leaders who would love to be a CIO 50 hall of famer one day <laughs> it's it's a really great question because you don't set out with your purpose in life to accrue accolades and awards right you set out to actually make a difference I think if we naturally forget the titles and we forget the 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 actual stepping constantly ahead each time curiosity will drive you and the purpose that you have will drive you to success and I think that's probably one of my greatest takeaways if I reflect on my career I've never sought that next step up I've just wanted to be able to create impact where I am more reach and access for others and I think as you start to do that there's this ripple effect to the people around you and naturally then you're able to go through different steps through your career. So there has been many times where I've stepped sideways and I've stepped sideways for a conscious career decision because I wanted to learn something different. And then the step sideways has then led to the next step up. So great example, I stepped sideways from, you know, a senior operating officer into an information management role. And so by stepping sideways, I was able to really focus on the lived experience of doing that role, which then led to a serendipitous conversation with a VP in security, which then was the same. It was a step across, but it was again a step across into a different discipline. And then that led to the next step up. So I think don't underestimate the the power of the curiosity that you have when you follow a, a bit of this zigzag line but it's a zigzag line that's definitely with 
you as a purpose, not necessarily the zigzag line to accumulate as much as you possibly can. It's more of this portfolio of curiosity, which leads to the success of the the, the roles that would be more senior because you've got more experiences to give. And finally, Ange, what's important to you in, in the months ahead? Oh, in the months ahead, there's probably a, if I go personal and professional, in the months ahead, personally, which will also affect me professionally, it's getting that doctor. Like I am so close. The thesis is in, it's going through its reviews. I really want to be able to meet that personal milestone, which, you know, people will exercise and stretch themselves with these goals. Mine was stretching my mind into a different place. And it really has been um, an exercise in the level of elasticity of my brain, <laughs> let alone my time to actually achieve it. So personally, that's that's a, a goal that I would love to see finally realised by the end of this year. That flows on professionally as well because everything that I have for my research, I just want to make sure that people have access to it and it can make a difference for them in their career, in their technology lives and more broadly than that, a real difference to our discipline because that's what I'm, I'm passionate about. And then from a, an Accenture point of view, obviously that's where I am now. Again, you know, a, a wonderful divergence from my CIO role into being able to help more people. Accenture has just been this amazing ground for me to learn and help shape what the, the junction between, you know, people and tech really looks like in an organisation that's actually born and bred that way. So for me, there's a lot of the the professional scaling up of um, what I've learnt recently is learning how to merge. So there was a great, I'm listening to this wonderful book at the moment, and it says, as a leader, you need to know how to merge with traffic. It's not come in at, you know, 100 miles an hour and completely cause accidents as you go through your career. It's actually being able to merge with the traffic and then accelerate forward. So I've merged with the traffic in this career kind of step for me, and now it's about the acceleration forward, which I'm really excited about. Well, we wish you all the best with it. (laughs) Angela Cobble, Hall of Fame inductee for 2023. Thank you so much for your time today. Thanks, Kathy. My pleasure.